Okay, and we'll stop at, a, at each of these uh, uh, five. Uh, I'll go through the use case and, uh, and the example, and then uh, any questions that come up, let's just dive into them one by one. All right, so we'll, uh, the first one, uh, passwordless login, or, and also widely referred to cross-silo authentication. Now, all of us have, you know, we're all part of, of, of different systems or, or we're, we're accessing different systems where, where we as users have this problem. We need to prove who we are across multiple trust domains. And ideally, both we and the parties we're dealing with would like us to be able to do that without joining a federation or signing up with a particular third-party identity provider. Now, the self-sovereign identity solution to that is, is one of the most you know, sort of basic things uh, you can do with uh, a digital wallet and verifiable credentials. Um, any one of those parties that uh, will, can accept either a single credential designed for that purpose or any one of a family of credentials, it can be used for password authentication at any verifier um, that, that will trust uh, those credentials. Again, what you're proving is, hey, I'm coming back with uh, the same credential I used before, which of course is what we're doing with usernames and passwords. But because of the underlying cryptography, we're able to do it now without any username or password at all. And uh, as I'm highlighting here, uh, the verifier can do it on the basis of any credential you have in your wallet, uh, which is why I think certain credentials that I'll mention coming up here have, have a chance for very broad um, uh, adoption. Now, if you haven't seen this before, I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's, a, it's a almost trivially easy process, and I'm gonna show you uh, um, the three screens that you'll see, and, and, and this has been demonstrated time after time at different conferences uh, the last time uh, I saw it uh, was at the uh, um, Identity North conference in Vancouver in January. Um, step one, once you have the digital wallet, is you scan a QR code wherever it is that you need to log in. Uh, and it, again, it, it can be uh, you know, uh, on your computer screen, on a tablet, uh, any place like that. Um, the QR code contains the information to wake up your wallet and ask you, are you trying to uh, authenticate to that uh, uh, particular provider? And uh, should you ever accidentally scan something where you're not, you're always going to be asked and you would say not. But if so, you would uh, click through. Um, it will frequently, uh, the security policy may require you to enter a biometric to make sure it's really you and you're in. There is no username or password, not only not visible, but there's nothing to fish. Um, uh, and and this wonderful quality of two-way authentication, you know who it is that's asking you, um, is also built into it. So <clears throat> the real world example I give you is no, nothing more than uh, something uh, that, uh, uh, is, is being designed to help implement uh, the, the Pan-Canadian uh, Trust Framework. Um, as I understand it from the folks in uh, BC, they're calling it the Canadian Identity Kit. And uh, I saw, again, a demonstration at Identity North. Um, it is uh, a, a full suite of open source uh, software based on Hyperledger um, Ares. Um, that uh, the goal is any Canadian citizen in any province would be able to be issued um, a provincial identity such as the one based currently in BC on the services card and then be able to use that for password authentication at any government agency, um, not just within their own province, but also with uh, the federal government. Now, 
someone like Tim could go uh, much more deeply into uh, the whole of that, but I think that's a, uh, uh, you know, one of the broadest uses we've, we're going to see of, 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 of examples of this kind of use case. And the other place where I think it's, uh, where you'll see it is, is just sort of a built-in feature. Tim also mentioned the Alberta credential ecosystem, um, and that has its own website I'm listing here at the bottom of the page. So I will stop and take a breath and a drink of water there and see what, uh, if we have any questions. All right, I'm looking here. Um, There's <clears throat> a question. So what is published to the chain confirms that the credential is valid and, only, and is only accessible if the verifier has the proof to hand. So uh, yes, I believe the answer to your question is yes. What's published to the chain is the information that the verifier needs. Uh, it's, it's the public key and uh, the, the schema of the credential and what's called the credential definition so that the, verif the software the verifier is running can, can look up the uh, valid public key that corresponds to that DID and then use that to verify the proof that they were given by the holder. And uh, now, so think of it as there's two steps. There's verifying that the, 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 the proof is correct. Uh, it's, it's, it's cryptographically valid, which means uh, the public key um, uh, was used to verify it and the cryptography checks and, and therefore the information they asked for they can is, is valid and it came from that issuer. It means came from that issuer, it was not, uh, has not been uh, tampered with. And uh, there's a separate, I didn't talk about revocation, but if a credential is revocable, that's also information that uh, the, the, the verifier uh, checks with the ledger in order to confirm um, a, a proof uh, about revocation. So um, once it's verified those things, if the if verification is passed, it's still up to the verifier to decide um, if the information that it was given is something that it's going to rely on. If it's asked for a proof of age and it said, I just need to know you're over 18 and it says yes, then that's the basis for their decision. But the decision can be much more complex. For instance, qualifying for a loan uh, may, they may ask for a set of factors and then go through their own, own business processes to decide if, uh, if, if you qualify. Um, okay, Daryl's already helped with an answer there. And the next question from, uh, from John, uh, does it have to be a published DID method? I think the short answer there, John, is that um, if it's not a published DID method, I mean, technically no, but if the um, verifier if the agent being operated by the verifier does not recognize the DID method, they will not be able to uh, verify the credential. So um, I think that that uh, mitigates very much in favor of widely known and supported DID methods. Uh, I, I personally believe there's going to be a classic long tail or, or power law curve of a relatively small set of very widely supported DID methods and then a longer tail of other DID methods that are, are, are being used for more specialized credentials or in specific communities. 